just get my business listed in the newspaper. That's the kind of brief you might get if you ran a startup PR agency. In today's episode, we're going to discuss, do you really want to be in the newspaper? What are the benefits of being listed? How do you do public relations? How do you employ someone to help you out? What's the focus of the journalist? Who are you appealing to? And what you can do as a startup founder to get those really crucial column inches dedicated to your business and not a big corporation. I'm Jared Doyle, and this is the Fractal Podcast. Today, I'm excited to say that we're joined by Michelle Winter. Michelle is an experienced media and communications professional who's worked on national and global PR accounts across technology, property, consumer, fitness, franchise, brands, you name it, she's probably done it. But more importantly for us, Michelle works with early stage clients to get their messages fine-tuned and help them really navigate the media landscape. So I'm super excited to have Michelle here. Uh, Michelle, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Not a problem at all. So I'm keen to get straight in and talk about PR and like I do, I guess, with all of my guests, I want to understand what you think the difference is for somebody who's a founder of a startup or a small company. How can they, I guess, use PR or how can they leverage their size to get I guess a competitive advantage against the big corporates out there because there's always that fear as a founder that you're going to be drowned by the big behemoth corporate who's going to get all the media square inches or column inches, if you like. Do you have any advice on how they can, I guess, utilize themselves as a founder to get a get an advantage? Yeah, for sure. I think that the benefit of PR for early stage businesses is that it doesn't have to actually cost anything. I know it sounds really expensive. Um, and for sure, if you, you know, get a big PR agency onto it, it can certainly cost a lot of money. But the brilliant thing about PR is that you can do it yourself. If you understand how to, like what the industry, what the media will be interested in about your business, then you, there's nothing to stop you from approaching them yourself um, and to get some stories right and get some uh, valuable media coverage for your okay. business. And, and that's interesting. So when you talk about doing it yourself, I often wonder, um, as a small business or generally speaking, are you better off approaching the media as a founder as yourself? Or if you go via a PR agency, does that make it look like you're trying to be something you're not? Or does that put more credentials or or does it depend on who you're pitching to? No, I think it depends on who you're pitching to. Like it, I think the key is to understand it. And that's the benefit of being a PR is that you have that experience in understanding how to approach the media and what they will like. But if you understand that yourself and you approach them, um, I think that you know, there's, there's no harm in doing that. I would I would definitely start off on the lower end, though, to get some practice and some runs on the board first. So when you say the lower end, what's, what's the lower end? I would start with reaching out. And by lower, I don't mean inferior. <laughs> going to some, maybe some industry um, publications and things like that before jumping straight to, uh, straight to somewhere like a, a, a national or a global publication. Yeah. Okay. No, fair enough. If, you, if you're going to make a mistake, make it in the yeah, local newspaper. Yeah. So you raise an interesting point there. I guess the opportunity here is to say, to engage with a PR professional and say, can you actually just help me sculpt my story? It's less about maybe, it's more about sculpting the story than it is about actually the pitching. The pitching to the media outlets could be done by the founder, but I guess the talent that you bring is the story creation, right? 
Yeah, and just understanding what the media will actually be interested in. And I think what that comes down to is really taking the time to understand what the each different publication's audience will be interested in. Um, yeah, so that's we, a we re- actually, yeah. Um, I was just going to say that's probably the most important part, isn't it? So yeah. let's just take a, a typical founder, right? So a founder, what used to be a news story was startup in Sydney raises half a million dollars, and that was the headline. Now that doesn't cut it. So what do you have to do to if you want to? Even if you're talking about startup press like Startup Daily or something like that. What do you have to do? What's the, is there a process that you follow to help the founder find their story? Yeah, for sure. I think we take it for granted because we do it every day. But I think to, to take it down to, to basics, I think just understanding what each different publication's um, audiences will be interested in. So it may vary and that's where it becomes a little bit tricky. So trying to understand what is of interest. It's and really I guess a, is that is that of what is of interest? I guess not. This is journalists themselves; they don't necessarily have to be interested. It's about their audience, isn't it? Right. Uh, some of the work that we do with early stage uh, companies is workshops on finding your goal. That's what we refer to finding of what's what's of interest to the media. And one of the like what what media are going to be interested in are like I think you mentioned earlier, was raising capital and a launch or a national launch or a if you're expanding into a new market, uh, any new key hires that you may be making from raising capital um, and any innovation. Like Any media is always going to be interested in innovation. So what's your company doing differently that hasn't been seen before? If starting with that, and then any kind of quirky human interest pieces to your company's story is always going to add some fl- like some flavor, if you will. Um, yeah, I was going to say that the human interest side, if you can get the human interest side nailed, that's where you start to get the yeah. mainstream national press or international yeah. press. Yeah, and, and you'll notice it now like when you see the images, like the image that you provide a journalist is going to be really, really important. So if you've got a strong image, um, then that's going to help give it uh, give it another chance of running as well. There's an example with Atlassian actually that I think it popped up last year in the press and it forever changed my perception of Atlassian for the better. Like, not that I had a bad perception of Atlassian, but um, and I just feel fondly about them every time Atlassian's mentioned. And do you remember the story about the squeaking chicken? The squeaky is this the meeting room one? Yes. yes. See, you know it. Yeah, it worked. And, you know, and I've actually seen it requoted through like um, business press about, you know, how to manage yeah. your meetings. That that probably cost, I don't know, $10 from a, from a you know, from a $2 store kind of thing. <laughs> so maybe they're not that astute businessmen when they're buying $10 rubber chickens from a $2 shop. <laughs> But that $10 squeaking chicken has got them so much press and you just can't, you can't buy that, which is what, what makes PR so valuable, is that that gave this impression for, you know, that will last with me forever about the squeaking chicken. But it made me, that what was more important about that squeaking chicken in the meeting room was that I now see that their culture is approachable and that their culture is, uh, you know, that 
they try new things and they're not above anything like they're open to those kinds of ideas like and I just yeah, yeah. those kinds of things if there's those kind of um, you know bits of gold within your business that's something a bit quirky or a bit different and uh, that will definitely help get you some PR coverage as well but having like going through your days looking for those kinds of opportunities of what makes you different and um, will definitely help to try and find your PR gold, if you will. Yeah. So I can imagine that's very proactive in the sense that you're, um, you know, either you or the company themselves, the founders are trying to find that thing that they can pitch out there and get some get some coverage. I'm curious, I guess, in my mind, I think about proactive and reactive PR. So the other side is mm-hmm. to be reactive and sort of when something's potentially hot in the media, like a topic that's, you know, hot right now, whatever it happens to be, is there any advice you can give to a founder of how they or how they should approach media if they think they've got a trending story and it's reactive i'm trying to think of an example but you know when something pops up in the in the news yeah. are there techniques to to applying because you know, you're going to be outreaching to press but I'm, i would imagine it's or journalists i'd imagine it's time sensitive well twitter is going to be your best friend as a founder creating your own file not just for not just having a twitter for your company but also for yourself like people want to interact with people. Uh, so I think if anything pops up like that, um, journalists live on Twitter. So more often than not, their email, their contact emails will be in their Twitter uh, bio. So you can either flick them an email, let's say a story's broken out about um, something that you're actually an expert in and the story's already out there, but you could then uh, take that opportunity to either email that journalist by finding the email on Twitter or even sending them a DM, a professional, still treat it like an email, and just letting them know, you know, hey, saw your story. Um, If you're ever looking for another expert uh, to provide comment or insight on this, um, would love to help out or I'm available or something like that. So just getting on their radar, not trying to give them a comment right then, but just flagging and letting them know that you're also available. Yeah, I, li- always want I like the idea of using comment. Twitter a bit like, you know, it performs two purposes. It's like the old form news wire that journos would have been watching to see what the stories were. That's now Twitter. Yeah. And secondly, it gives you a direct path to speak to a, um, a journalist and get something done. Absolutely. So in saying that, um, you know, with Twitter, I would – follow any of the publications that are relevant for your industry and then any of the journalists and just keep track of what they're writing about, what they're covering in your industry and try and say, even if it's, you know, 10 minutes a day kind of thing, just checking in on what what they're interested in and what they write about, getting to know that first um, and then approaching them and, you know, either with your own stories or something that might be of interest to them to cover or with comments. Yeah. So what, I mean, I guess that's, that's a big part of it, you know, so writing that press release in your experience with founders, are they, are they, is it worth putting the effort into creating a press release or would you recommend that founders first like pitch in just the headline or the, or the, or the tidbit of information they've got? And if they get a bite, then actually go ahead and write something. Um, or do journalists still appreciate the formally written press release that says, you know, we've got something or does it depend again on whether it's reactive or proactive? Yeah, it's all different. If it's reactive, uh, certainly just sending them like a little bit of an that's just an introduction, and they they should be able to tell the key information from your Twitter profile of what your company is about. They should be able to make that connection. Yep. And I think in regards to the press release specifically, 
with startups and early stage companies, the process of actually writing a press release is invaluable and not necessarily for approaching media or doing a campaign for it, but that more often than not compared to big brands, messaging isn't 100% locked down yet. And so the process of writing a press release, of having someone um, who's experienced in that domain come in and ask the questions that they might be too close to to realise is missing from their key messaging. And I'm not just talking about PR. I mean their whole marketing piece. Like they may not have had the chance to work with someone like yourself yet. So, um, yeah, doing that process will really kind of drill down on getting their message clear. Yeah. And it needs to be clear. And I think that's one of the misconceptions about uh, PR and dealing with media is that they don't want to hear all your jargon and all your buzzwords. You need to write it like my 10-year-old daughter could understand. Because if my 10-year-old daughter doesn't understand what you do in your press release or what or what the key message is, then you need to keep going. So as so the advice I'm hearing there is as a founder and a lot of founders, especially at startup companies, are technical founders, or if, if they're not technical, they're domain expert, you know, experts in their particular vertical domain is maybe just release a little bit of the preciousness about being 100% correct and let the journalist, the PR person, or even yourself find the real story that's actually interesting and understandable and maybe put the academic hat aside for a little bit and get the get the PR and the mileage you're going to get to grow your business and, and maybe just check the technical jargon a little bit at the door before you start. Absolutely. And I, I think if, if there's going to be any takeaway um, that's actionable from you know, our chat today for founders, it's to get your kid pitch right. If you can't explain in one sentence, like if your elevator pitch is not, if my if my 10-year-old daughter doesn't understand what it is that your company does, it, then it needs some more work. <laughs> because the, the other thing is, I think clients can get excited about going to press and what they realise in, in us writing a press release is that it may not actually sound that exciting like the language we use is not technical language um, they, they don't care but we need to uh, communicate with a journalist just like we would in really plain English like I would to my daughter I like that you're using your daughter as a reference point because I actually have a 10 year old daughter so I feel like I've already got a PR oh, asset yeah. in my <laughs> so I'm going to run everything by her now she'll pass the 10 year old daughter test Honestly, like it's it's what we kind of benchmark on because if she doesn't get it, then it's going to be off. Because the journalists receive 400 emails plus a day. They need to be able to really quickly comprehend what it is that you're saying and not have to labour over technical information. And it's the same with if you go and read, you know, a, an article in AFR, like you will still be, whilst it's about you know, some complex businesses and, you know, it's still written in plain English. So no buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> Unless it's an article about buzzwords, in which case you're you're free to do it. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, and everyone's got this, but what's the biggest misconception around PR public relations that you find at the moment that, you know, particularly startup founders, but any business owner has around public relations? It's it's still that it can be guaranteed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not it's not an ad, right? It's <laughs> I mean, at Bango in particular, we guarantee our fees so that, and work, but that doesn't mean we guarantee particular coverage. We guarantee that whatever you invest in the fees, we will keep going. Even if a campaign doesn't work and falls flat, we'll keep going until 
you receive that amount of fee worth of equal advertising dollars kind of thing. And, and we put that in place for startup founders because we understand that, you know, every dollar counts. So we want and we take that seriously. Um, Do you think the media yeah, landscape's so changed much? I mean, I remember I was talking to someone recently and I sort of said, look, you know, go back you know before i was really reading the newspaper and yes if you got an article in the newspaper people would read it and contact you i kind of feel these days yeah. if you get something in the newspaper you're getting in there to say that you're in there but actually not many people read it anymore <laughs> is that is that the case or is that just my really jaded and digitally biased perception of the media <laughs> it's certainly um very competitive for audiences and people are consuming content just in crazy speeds so uh, i think if we're talking specifically for early stage companies i think the benefit is having that first page on google just really solid so that if you search your company's name or the founder's name or something that that first page like you basically own and that's all through earned media coverage uh, because if you're going to raise money or you're having you know clients wanting to vet you and research you and check that you're credible, Every, uh, everyone's going to Google you first. So having whatever is on that first page of Google, whatever that says about you uh, is going to make a big difference in regards to like, credibility and, and having the media vet you is an amazing third-party endorsement for sure. Yeah, I know with a lot of um, conversion rate optimizing professionals, I often say, where have you been featured? And if you can put news outlet logos on your website, that's that kind of proof point that consumers can have in seeing that you're probably a trustworthy brand so it's almost like going back to the old as seen on tv thing i mean in some respects that's what you're buying with pr is the as seen on tv badge yeah Yeah, and i try i try to explain to startups when we're first having chats is that you know even if we get that whole first page of google hooked up with all this media coverage that doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to have all these sales all of a sudden. It doesn't necessarily work like that, but it doesn't mean that it's not of value. It can happen like that for sure, but it all depends on. Yeah, I'd like to I'd like to think it yeah, it's probably not going to drive sales, but I'd like to think it's going to help convert the person who's on the fence and they can do that second search, yeah. third search, and they go, Do you know what? These guys or this company's been around for a while, we can probably trust them. All right, here's my credit card number, <laughs> make a purchase. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Um, so if someone is looking to get some help on PR, what do you think, what are some of the questions they can ask? Because I mean, you know, you've only got to go to Google Maps and type in public relations or PR and, you know, there's, there's, it's a very fragmented industry, right? I mean, you know it more than me, but, you know, there are a lot of independent uh, public relations specialists out there. Yeah. So what are the kind of questions that someone should ask of a potential public relations consultant or firm that you think helps cut through to see whether they're going to be the right fit or the right for a startup or the right for you? Okay, if it were me, I would be asking, firstly, what clients have they worked with? And secondly, secondly, how do they measure their success? And what they should be saying to you, in my opinion, is, you know, what does success mean to you? Because success means different things to all different kinds of companies. So what might, be, what might mean success for, you know, a particular startup may be totally irrelevant for another one. So I would be focused on 
having them understand your commercial objectives. Right. So for a founder, that might be, um, I just want to be in my local Courier Mail paper because I want that proof point to the local market. But it might also be whatever it costs, I need to be in TechCrunch because I'm going to go to the US and do a major funding round and I need to be in TechCrunch because without that, we're never going to get anything. Yeah, for sure. So it definitely, like having them focus on what it is, yeah, for you to be successful through PR um, is definitely the most important. And then, of course, whether they can deliver that or not. Fantastic. So how do you see um, PR changing over the next few years? I mean, it's changed a lot in the last five to 10 years, but how do you think it's going to change over the next couple of years or is it going to change at all? I think it definitely will change. It's changed a lot since I started PR. Um, <laughs> Oh, gosh, I won't show my age. But, um, <laughs> Don't worry about it. People start talking to me about Google and I always go, I started doing search engine marketing before Google was a, was a thing, like Google didn't exist. And you still see people's horrified looks and like, there was a world before Google, so <laughs> no, but I won't. I won't. I won't ask you. But yes, it yeah, it has definitely changed a lot in the last ten years. I think in the last two years, it's probably the the rate of change has slowed down a little bit, but it's still definitely changing pretty quickly. Yeah, I think you know it's trying to keep up with the rate in which content is needed and consumed. So it's more important now than ever to keep your whatever you have, however you communicate with journalists when you're pitching to them. Having that is simple and um, easy for them to then do their job is the most important because they're on deadlines. They've got so much more content and articles to be, you know, putting out. So the easier you can make their lives, the better. Like don't, don't pitch to them and then then actually come back and be curious and ask for something to do with that and then you don't get back to them within the day kind of thing and i would be getting back to them within 10 minutes like as quick as possible (laughs) otherwise it's changed a lot hasn't i mean like there's no i mean it's a bit of a a blight in our society but the form of investigative journalism where you might spend a couple of days looking into something that's gone now isn't it so um as as the source of the of the press release of the content it's i guess I understand it to be it's upon us to actually create the bulk of the content. Um, and the journalist's yeah. job now is as much as being like a sub-editor as anything else. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it's different in all different kinds of publications, but if you treat it that way, that you're treating your press release as a silver platter, that they have everything they need to do their job if they're interested in your story. I, I also think um, I think it's worth saying that images is probably the thing that I see startups struggle with the most. So making sure that your images are at least one to two meg big and in uh, in editorial style, and and you know five minutes of googling appropriate media images is going to help. Yeah, and if it's if it's a founder story, then I guess spending the money to actually get those profile shots and and different types of profile shots is is money well invested, right? Yeah. The the funny thing about that is that my own one is from an iPhone. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I think that as long as the elements are, you know, right it doesn't like you can take that kind of photo on your iphone so you don't necessarily have to take you know really expensive photos but uh, if if there's somewhere on your website or something like that i can provide some samples that you could uh give yeah well we'll do up the um when the episode goes live i'll put a there'll be a, a post page for it so we'll definitely we'll throw some examples in there um i mean i i recently painfully went and got my 
profile photos taken again here in Brisbane. Um, and I did that because I, I was sitting talking to somebody and it was just frustrating because I went to go meet them. I saw their photo on LinkedIn. I looked at the photo and went, you don't look anything like that. <laughs> like You've aged an awful lot in the time it took you to walk to this meeting. So I thought to myself, hang on, Jared, you've got to do this as well. So get the photo updated. Even though you don't look as good as you did five years ago, um, get a new photo taken. So, You know, that's how my iPhone photo came about is because I'm, I was in the same boat. I'd been holding on to the same photo for probably like five years. <laughs> So I got an updated one. <laughs> Brilliant. I was just going to ask one really specific question. One site that I've found, and I've referred to a lot of different people, is SourceBottle. How have you found, I mean, mm. have you used SourceBottle or are there equivalent type services? And are there any tips you've got for using a website? Like, so you probably also need to explain what SourceBottle is as well. But have you got any tips for how to respond to SourceBottle, I guess, inquiries? Yeah. So SourceBottle is this great resource you, you just sign up it's just like start, uh, joining a newsletter and then you scan that they send an email once a day kind of thing and journalists can put on that email different opportunities say they're looking for an expert in i don't know anything <laughs> so if that's a you just jump on it straight away and then let them know that you're and make sure you have all your contact details in there make sure that your email signature is uh all right. So that's all about speed of response and I guess proving that you've got some speed. opinion or you're, you're valid to be a source of information, but you don't actually have to write your full blown response there, do you? No, I would go quickness over anything with that one because lots of people receive those emails and everyone, PRs around the country will be sitting there to jump on those opportunities. So jump quick. So it's, it's source bottle the, is it the leader? Is it the only one? Are there other website similar to source bottle or is that it just stay focused on that one um, we we are signed up to source bottle we don't we are on any others uh, but doesn't mean that there aren't any others <laughs> <laughs> they probably exist especially if you're trying to go internationally i guess so yeah fantastic so a last question for me imagine the scenario where you've gone to your local cafe to meet a young founder who said, you know, I'll buy you coffee for your advice. And um, and you want to leave her with a great tip. You sort of think, I really like this person. I just want to give her one tip that if she goes away and enacts this one bit of advice, it will make a difference to a business. Mm -hmm. So my question to you is what would that one tip be that you would give this founder so that when she leaves, if she does it, there's going to be some kind of noticeable difference to the presence of her company in the media? I think it goes back to the kid pitch again. Having that really solid and really clear uh, is going to be your secret weapon because it, it, it works on all different kinds of domains. So I would get that really, really clear. I would also go further to that and say having, having a pitch, whether it's to media or whether it's to people, that focuses on what the pain point is that the end receiver would be feeling if you can if you can appeal to that that is what people take notice of in uh in media stories like that's what's going to be of interest and that's what will make people stop in their tracks when they're scanning all the different newsletters they get and all the different press they will they will pick up on something that they personally feel inflicted by <laughs> and i think yeah this is where the readers are what's in it for me what am i going to get out of this yeah <laughs> they don't 
They don't care about us. They don't care about our business, what we're trying to achieve. It's like, what's what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? Yeah, that's it. Honestly, that's it. <laughs> that's brilliant. Well, thank you so much for your time. Now, if people wanted to get in contact with you because they like what you've said and they think you've got a, a nice angle, what's the best way to reach you or to find you? Well, I'm on Twitter also, and it's uh, Mish, which is M-I-S-H underscore winter. And you can also go to our website at bangopr.com.au and there's an email inquiry form there. And I am always on my email, so I'm never far away. <laughs> Brilliant. And you're, you're based in, is it Sydney? Yeah, Sydney, but we work out of Brisbane as well. So we go back and forth every kind of couple of weeks. So I'm, not, I'm normally around there also. Fantastic. Brilliant. Well, look, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for the advice. I hope everyone's got a couple of tips there. I really, <laughs> really like the idea of using a PR to work on your story and get your pitching right and actually doing the legwork yourself. I think that's a really nice compromise to find rather than sort of saying, I want to outsource my PR, you take care of everything and I'll go away. Actually just get coached from the sideline and maybe do a lot of the lifting yourself. And that might be the compromise for a founder who's on a tight budget. Brilliant. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. It was great. Thank you.